Yes, yes, the lovely Jasper Leepak. Three songs from our guest today, Miss Jasper Leepak. That was, uh, you just heard Queens of the Desert Sun. Beautiful, beautiful tribute to a, a lost friend. And before that was Washa the Devil, a little fun song uh, off of Desert Ghost, which was her 2021 release. And we started the program with My Own Moves. Both My Own Moves and Queens of the Desert Sun are both from her new album, So Strong. Uh, great, solid releases. And I think we have Miss Jasper on the line. You there, hon? I am. Yay. Hi. Howdy. How are you doing? I'm good. Awesome. I'm very, very happy to have you with us. I want to thank you very much for joining us on our Sweethearts and Badasses of Americana and Beyond interview series. I love the title of the interview series. <laughs> it's so wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny. When we first came up with that, uh, we started like kind of the sweethearts of the rodeo. And then we had an artist said, well, you know, we all are badasses. So we added that. And it's amazing to me how many of these artists are truly sweethearts and badasses. And you're included. You know, there's a, there's a softness, but yet, you know, the album is so strong. And that's what's so beautiful about this album and honoring women's strength. And we'll get into that in a minute, but yes, uh, you're a honorary member, a sweetheart and a badass. <laughs> Yay. That's such good news. That makes me really happy. Um, speaking of being happy, I noticed, uh, mm-hmm. your new album is that January 20, uh, 26th. that one was released. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really recently. Um, it's already up on number six on the folk charts for the month of January. That's crazy. Isn't that I cool? Yes, it's very cool, and I'm feeling so grateful that the music's getting out there. And and played and, and loved. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're very honored to have this time. I, mean, I think it's probably just going to go struck skyrocket, and, and we might not be able to be able to talk again. <laughs> um, another accolade I noticed that uh, I thought, well, so, you know, um, Deb has been uh, programming, uh, running the women's show for 40 years and um, is very familiar. All the f- good folkies around uh, the station here um, all know who Christine Lavin is. And even as a newbie, I know who Christine Lavin is. And this quote, if I may read, she, mm-hmm. Christine says, Jasper Leepak is the real deal when it comes to songwriting and guitar work. And as a vocalist, she has few, if any, peers. She's a songwriter's dream. Yeah, that was, yeah, so so sweet. So yeah, really appreciate that from Christine. That was really cool. And if you so, if you anybody's kind of wondering, well, who's this chick? And I haven't heard of her. Well, Christine Lavin says so, and you're you're here on the show. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'd like to dive right into uh, so strong. You know, it struck me how deeply personal it is, and you know, you'll be able to speak to that. But at the same time, it's also very broadly universal political um it covers everything from you know the very personal experience of becoming a mother and that process and also speaking out against the overturning of roe v wade and it Mm -hmm. just like i said earlier it just lines up so well with the women's show because we've been honoring the strength and power of women for over 40 years so this is a nice little dovetail into one another absolutely how does it feel to have that album out now it feels really good, and um, I'm so glad that it's been played and received because when I finished it, um, 
I had so much vulnerability, you know, because mm. it is very personal. Mm. And mm-hmm. like, what if, what if I missed? Like, what if I didn't? I don't know. Like, um, I think I was just feeling really shy and vulnerable sure. about, like, excited and powerful about these songs, but then also like nervous because it is so personal, and um, I'm just overwhelmed that it's being received so well and um, connecting with so many of women's personal experiences and stories. And um, yeah, I just want to be part of that message of, of strength. And yeah. I'm really excited to have this out there. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't even imagine that. Um, it's always, I, I, I know from other artists, it's you always make yourself vulnerable when you put your art out there. But when you put your art and heart <laughs> and mm-hmm. soul, uh, you're really exposed that vulnerability. So um, I'm glad that you it's it's landing in a sweet spot for folks, and you know that it was a, a good to jump off and and take that risk and make yourself vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the genesis of this album, what mm-hmm. what was it spurred from, and kind of how did it come from that initial? spark and ideas and first few songs into a finished product. You can talk about the production, the musicians, any part of that that feels meaningful to you. Sure. So um, the spark for this album was (laughs) the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've I've been uh, writing and performing music for 20 years now, and I've always been um, passionate about women's stories and experiences and putting those into into songs. Um, but when Roe v. Wade was overturned, I was still in recovery from a miscarriage. And during that experience, it was really, I didn't realize that miscarriage care and abortion care were the same. Uh-huh. I think I knew it, but I didn't realize it on that personal level. And then um, going through that grief and being in Minnesota and having my providers totally there for me and supportive of whatever I needed was tremendous. And I can't imagine going through a miscarriage and that grief and then being abandoned by my, my, by my medical providers. Mm. And that's what's happening to so many women mm-hmm. in our country. And so um, I wrote... I Am Human, which is the title track on the album in the weeks following um, Roe being overturned. And uh, the other songs, um, some of them are written during the pandemic. Most of them actually were written during the pandemic. And they kind of explore that tension of of motherhood and personhood. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. um, especially when things shut down, um, parents lost their village, their childcare support system. And Um, it was really, really difficult to be in that space of not having time for my art. And I was working on, um, I had started recording my previous album, Desert Ghost, right before the shutdown. Uh And so I was trying to get that finished. And then I was also somehow writing songs in that period. I don't remember trying to, (laughs) but sort of like, uh, the songs on here just needed to, to be written, I guess they were my way of processing, um, a lot of that stress and tension, um, of just, uh, yeah, we, I think ultimately just caregiving and being a mother and being a parent and being a woman, like it's just, it's, there's not a lot of, um, support for the work we do and it's still so hard to juggle it all. Um, 
and I wanted to write really honestly about that. Yeah, you've, you've done that. Um, there was a quote I found that, that uh, ties into that that I really appreciate. Um, you said, we live at a time when the important work of caregiving is deeply undervalued, unsupported, mm-hmm. and when current reproduction laws are putting our health and our lives at risk. And yeah. that hits everyone, <laughs> at, you know, at a pretty deep level. So you've really struck a chord. Uh, kudos on that. The, uh, yeah. some of the, well, especially I want to ask about, the, um, so Queens of the Desert Sun, um, mm-hmm. uh, serendipitously, sadly, uh, is lining up with, a, a sad diagnosis that I have from a childhood friend. Oh. And, um, so it was, it so struck me when I was listening to it because I think of my friend and, and it, I got so lost in just the beautiful arrangements, the, the piano and strings and how that worked and um, kind of juxtaposed with, oh, I forgot to ask Deb if, we, if she has a thumbs up, if we can play a snippet of P for Placenta. I'm like, come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's a thumbs up. Uh, okay. <laughs> it won't be the full song, but uh, mostly... <laughs> We we had a joke about that. I was like, oh, that's so freaking cool. And she's like, uh, I, you know, so it's not everybody's cup of tea. We won't play the yeah. full song. But okay. but as far as, and also musically, sonically, you know, um, it reminds me of uh, You're Too Young, or maybe they brought back Schoolhouse Rock. Mm-hmm. Do you know I what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. educational, fun, little kind of quirky, perky. Um, love it. So at some point, I'd like to maybe uh, just play a little snippet and we can talk to speak to that. But the the variety of the sounds is what I'm really getting at is sonically you've expressed a very broad palette of um, poignant, sad, beautiful, and specifically the uh, musicians there. Um, do you want to speak to them about them? Is it, is it the same folks all through the whole album? Yeah. So I feel so lucky for the musicians I worked with on this album. Um, my main collaborator, Ben Cookfelt, he is also a songwriter and he plays piano and he's amazing. And um, he's been performing with me for about 10 years um, as when as a duo. He'll, he'll back me up on my music. And this was the first album where it felt like... Um, I don't know. His his piano really influenced the arrangements of these songs and it just made them so much more beautiful. Like Queens of the Desert Sun, every time I play that with him, I'm just like, oh, the song just needed your voice on piano and yeah. it just made it bigger and and beautiful. And so he is playing keys on most of the songs. And um, then I got to work with Alicia Healy, who lives in Seattle and has a wonderful recording studio. And she did my last album. And I'm I'm just so grateful. So I lived in Seattle for about 10 years and then moved back to the Twin Cities a couple of years ago and um, ended up flying out to Seattle a couple of times to record this with her because I just knew that she would understand the songs mm-hmm. and help me get them out there in a way that... Um, I think <laughs> that song you played at the beginning, My Own Moves, like I have a hard time still like trusting my strength and my voice and being a leader. And um, and that just comes from society and culture and all the things I learned about what it means to be a girl and a woman. And, you know, growing up, like 
Um, and I knew that if I worked with Alicia, she wouldn't let me hide. Um, <laughs> she would, <laughs> yeah. she would really put these out there and really, uh, she influenced the arrangements a ton. She played, um, upright and electric bass. She's singing harmonies with me on a bunch of the songs. She added some guitar. Um, so I think she kind of helped me on these last two albums kind of brush off some of the sweetness <laughs> and <laughs> make it, make it more real. And I really, I'm so grateful to her. Um, yeah, and then I got some other musicians from the Twin Cities. The OK Factor is this wonderful cello violin duo. Um, and they played the strings on Queens of the Desert okay. Sun. And I felt so grateful for that because my friend Jen, who I wrote that yeah. song for, she played cello <sighs> as a kid. And when she was going through treatment, she came back to it. And it was a place of solace and connection for her. And that cello solo on Queens how was like an accident. It, I had intended it to be like a full kind of string arrangement. And then it just made sense to have that single cello in there. And, oh, it, I'm going to cry right now. I it's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> we oh, figured that out in rehearsal. Like, and I, um, it just felt like Jen was there. Um, so, Super lucky. And then I have, yeah, Dave Bush is a percussionist who I worked with in Seattle on my last album. And he was just a delight to work with on this too. And then Riley Skinner is a vocalist songwriter who played, um, well, she, she's a wonderful guitar player and she's, she's got her own stuff in out in the world, which is wonderful. But I felt lucky that she did harmonies on some of these songs. And, um, Anthony Eyrig played Dobro on my own moves and he and his bluegrass band, the high 48, played at my wedding back in 2007 <laughs> like it was just marvelous and then I've got um two wonderful singer-songwriters Avery Hill and Mandy Troxell who I sang with a bunch when I lived in Seattle and they're singing those harmonies on Pia's for Placenta which are just priceless yeah. I can't really yeah. really beautiful work yeah yeah it's like a dream team yes Very I nice. like it mm -hmm. well done Thanks. um if you want to I don't even know if I if my my tear ducts can handle more, but uh, <laughs> uh, in in Queens of the Desert Sun, um, mm -hmm. and re referencing that you, if you want to speak a little bit to your friend Lynn, and um, I understand you did, <coughs> excuse me, you dedicated this album to her. Yeah. Um, and, and her name her name's Jen. Sorry, Jen. I don't know if that came. Through. Yeah, yeah, Jennifer Eldridge, correct? Yes. Yes. <coughs> Sorry. Um, oh, you're fine. And. Uh, you mentioned um, that she had two daughters in the song. Is that a stretch or is that literal? And That's literal, yeah. Wow, what a gift you've given them with that song. I just, I just feel so lucky like that I knew Jen like at their ages, you know? Like that's when we became friends. That was really a powerful thing for me. Um, I went out, so Jen was living in... Um, Bristol, England, when she got the cancer diagnosis and when she died. And um, she just, she loved the world. Like even as kids growing up in Tucson, um, she like learned every capital of every country in the world when she was in elementary school. And so she traveled a lot and lived in different countries and she ended up in England. And when I went out there, I um, she asked me to sing the song at her memorial. And I just, yeah seeing her daughters and oh I don't yeah uh, uh. It, that was just really evident to me like they're so young and that was us 
you know, and I got to know their mom when she was um, two, three, four, or five. You know, we, we spent our whole lives together. So, wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that piece of it. I was hoping that that would, uh, that would happen. It, it kind of come to fruition that that would be a very meaningful sharing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you, do you generally kind of find as your, I want to say, is it more your nature to be, uh, you're, you're stepping out in you know, my own moves, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of either it's uncoupling or just uncoupling from the restraints of, you know, what you said, you know, the societal ideas or how you were raised. Yeah. Is that uh, an ongoing process or you kind of feel like, you know what, I'm put out this album called so strong and gosh, darn it, I'm so strong now. Uh, Oh, I wish that was the case. Uh, Yeah, I think I think I'm a lot stronger. And this album makes me feel that way. Um, But yeah, I've noticed um, a lot how kind of a a passive, responsive uh, default setting is kind of built into me. Mm -hmm. So even when I feel confident, when I want to lead, when I know what I want, and I want to go after it, like I need affirmation from the people around me still and I'm trying to work through that still because um yeah I just then that that my own mood song um I was reading the book The Dance of Anger by Harriet Lerner at the time when I wrote that and she talks a lot about anger as a dance and takes two people and when you stop doing your steps the other person can't do theirs anymore oh and it just yeah, it's a fabulous book. I actually read it twice. <laughs> back to back, I just wanted to like absorb it all mm-hmm. um, because I didn't learn how to express anger very well as as a kid and as as a young woman. And I'm still figuring it out. I mean, it's a healthy emotion, but um, and there's a lot to be angry about right now <laughs> like, oh, yeah. in the world, the country, so much. Yeah. And often when women express anger, we're just dismissed because yep. we're overreacting. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but at reading this book made me think about like um, my husband and I took uh, swing dance lessons when we were first married. It was so fun. But I was just thinking back to that time and being like, how many opportunities did I get over my whole life of just leading, like being the leader and having it be like supported by society and our culture? I didn't have a lot of those opportunities. I didn't get to feel that. Um, I didn't get to feel that in my body, like on a regular basis, yeah, yeah. whereas men do. And I got to, I got to learn over and over again, what it meant to be, um, like to respond and to be there for others and, um, to kind of put myself last. Like I learned that over and over again. So that my own move song is just, yeah, just about like trusting my own moves and not, I don't know. Yeah, taking yeah. lead. Taking the lead. Taking lead. Yeah. And yeah, mm-hmm. when that's not your default, it's, it's a, if I offer as a, an elder, <laughs> it, it, it's an, it's take, it's a lifetime of uncoupling with those yes. uh, concepts. It truly is. And totally. even when you've, like you said, even when you've got it and you're feeling good and then gosh darn it, something else sneaks up and you're finding yourself, you know, going back to that little five-year-old, oh, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. And sometimes when like I'm doing the, like I'm, doing the thing I want to do and moving, you know, honoring my own strength, it feels bad or uncomfortable, you know, mm-hmm. like fighting with that. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot that we, <laughs> we have to keep on learning and yeah. Yeah. 
you're 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 on your way and doing a great job. Uh, you mentioned the book, and I I couldn't help but notice uh, some of the inspirations uh, mm-hmm. that where your inspirations come from, and obviously literature is a big one. Um, thematically, also in uh, I, I see in your album art and in the lyrics to the songs a lot of references to geography space place time um you know well everything really from geography to (laughs) biology (laughs) with the placenta song um many uh just your it it strikes me that you have a a very curious nature and a curious eye that's always looking for mm, some information, feedback, inspiration. I, I wonder specifically what your what is your personal relationship with geography? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, yeah, sense of place. So I grew up in Tucson, and every summer we would go to the Twin Cities in Minnesota and see our relatives because my parents grew up in Minneapolis and St. Cloud and they have huge extended families. And so um, we grew up away from the big family, but we got to see them every summer. And Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, when, so I ended up going to college in St. Paul, Minnesota at Bethel University. And um, I don't, I, I, I was kind of, when I finished, I didn't know where my home was. Like when I graduated, I'm like, where is my home now? Is it Minnesota? Is it Arizona? Uh, I don't uh-huh. know. Um, and I ended up staying in Minneapolis and started writing music shortly after I graduated from college with my English lit degree, which I had no idea what to do with. <laughs> I was going to become <laughs> like, you know, write the next great American novel that summer, right? That did not happen. Um, so... Yeah, and then it was like Minneapolis became my music home. Like it's where I learned that I had a voice and that I could use it and I was supported in using it. The music community here was so amazing. It still is, but um, I just feel so grateful um, for the support I had when I first started writing and performing. Um, And then I met my husband, Kale, in Minneapolis and we ended up living in Durban, South Africa for a couple of years. Um, his work took us out there. That was an amazing experience. Um, and then we ended up in Seattle for a while. And it was great to be in these different places. And I, you know, had wonderful community. And I, I liked being there, but I never felt at home. And um, we moved back to Minneapolis recently. So there's just that longing for home. Like, what mm-hmm. does that mean when you're a part of so many places? Mm-hmm. Um and when we moved back here a couple of years ago, it was like, oh, I've landed. I feel like, I feel like this is my home. I feel like this is a place where I can grow. Like I'm a plant that yes. needs this kind of environment. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that's my relationship to place. And also um, growing up in Tucson, we had a really big yard. Um, we were always playing outside. And so I, I was always outdoors as a kid. Yeah. And I think that's just something that is important to me that connection with nature has always been really strong yeah i think that's uh well vital for all of us whether or not we know it or not 
Um, and yeah. I know when I do, like sometimes just sitting in the grass or doing something like mud, you know, like what you used to do mm-hmm. when you were little. It's it's yeah. so nurturing to like just play outside. <laughs> it sounds over simple, but you know, how often do we, we don't necessarily do that as adults? No. I always want there to be playground equipment for grownups at the playground. My daughter is six, so yeah. I feel like we should have playground equipment for everyone because I don't want to just sit and watch. You know, I want to play. They should. You really should. Yeah, yeah widen those sides a little bit. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have seen um, a friend of mine and I swing, like on swings. Yeah. And there are, yeah. some parks have super wide swings for adults like heavy duty chains we yep. know where they're at in town and it is oh my lord if you like well, i know you know what i'm talking about so <laughs> oh i do the preaching to the choir there like, yeah oh you yeah i found a few of those too swinging is where it's at um, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned uh your novel you know jokingly i guess about coming out of yeah. college and writing a great american novel but do i understand you are working on a book i was so I, uh, yes, so I've, I've written a book. It is on a shelf in my office. It's not what I want to publish. Um, uh-huh. It's a song about finding my voice and um, singing and writing and performing helped me heal from an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the connection between um, my relationship with food and my relationship with my voice was just... Um, I'm still trying to figure out how to talk about it, how to write about it. So I tried uh-huh. and I didn't quite get there, but um, someday I hope I finish that book or write a new one. Um, books were such a safe haven, for, not a safe haven because my childhood is pretty safe, <laughs> um, but it was, um, they were a place of, um, I don't know. I loved reading as a kid. Like I read every single Nancy Drew book that there was. And, um, it was, I just, I love stories. I love reading and I've always wanted to, to write a book and publish it. So yeah. someday, hopefully. Yeah. That's, that would be a tough one. Um, when it's, um, sounds like it's kind of a, a visceral or a somatic, and uh, physiological, you know, healing mm-hmm. about the voice yeah. and your deep disorder. And yeah. to, actually that's one of the toughest things, right? In healing is yep. to be able to draw that, um, you know, nonverbal into the verbal so just you got a draft going that's really cool um so when you're reading do you prefer obviously you know true book nerds just like the books like you don't necessarily do audibles or um or do you no i read i read paper books (laughs) (laughs) i try so hard to live at my screen time and the and I, i can't really follow a story while listening audio I I hear you yeah it's that visual yeah I understand Mm -hmm. are you in a book club no but I should be I was in one in Seattle where uh, we wrote songs inspired by books which was the best Um, and yeah I I need to figure out one here because yeah I love I would love that is that where some of these of course should the devil why should the devil yep Mm -hmm. Um, could you speak a little bit to that and also correctly pronounce Apocryphal. Apocryphal? <laughs> I had to look it up. <laughs> Apocryphally, I okay. actually had to look that up too. Okay, okay, so 
the Bushwick Book Club of Seattle um, is a collective of songwriters. There are like 200 plus songwriters. And every month there's a book and about 10 songwriters um, will write, will read the book and then write a song inspired by it and perform it. So it's something that I did like once or twice a year. I couldn't do it every month, but Mm -hmm. um, that was also, I mean, it was cool to see such a variety of performers too. Um, And so I wrote a bunch of songs over the years with, with the Bushwick Book Club of Seattle. And they had a special event that they invited me to write a song for. Um, The poet A.E. Stallings was coming to Seattle. She lives in Greece and she was coming to Seattle to talk about her latest poetry collection and um, I was asked if I could read the collection and write a song inspired by it and then open for her with that song. Wow. And yeah, it was, it was cool. And it was the first song that I wrote after my daughter was born, like six months after or whatever. And so it was this, I, I vividly remember trying to get <laughs> this done. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so there's a poem in her book called Triolet on a line apocryphally ascribed to Martin Luther. And I, I looked up apocryphally. It means um, assumed to, but not really. So like um, Martin Luther supposedly said, why should the devil get all the good music? But he probably didn't. Yeah. But it's just like a <laughs> yeah. time to him. Uh-huh. Okay. A little and dubious so origin there, huh? <laughs> yeah. And uh, this this line that Martin Luther, the theologian who tacked those 95 theses to the Catholic Church, she mm-hmm. supposedly said, why should the devil get all the good music? And then A.E. Stallings wrote this short little poem that the first line is, why should the devil get all the good tunes? And I really connected with that because I grew up um, in the Catholic Church and in the Evangelical Church. My family did a switch when I was about seven, eight. And it, yeah, it was just like fun to play with because... Um, I like so a lot of music for me, not for my parents, but for my church and my school community. It was like, don't listen to that. Only listen to Christian religious music because there's so, you know, the rest of the secular music is bad. Uh-huh. And I found out, you know, it's not bad. It's pretty powerful. <laughs> um, so it was really satisfying to write the song. And I, I borrowed a couple of lines from her poem and I got permission to put them in the song. So, um, the booze and the neon and the Saturday night. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, it was just a delight to write it. And it was terrifying to sing it because it was like the first time I performed it in front of the poet. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Yeah. She liked it. So. <laughs> and one of your first times like back that. after. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look how strong you are. <laughs> yeah. You should know it. Um, I'm going to cut in here at six, uh, quick, quick, and s- mention that this is uh, KZUM Lincoln, KZUM HD. And I also, uh, if we could maybe just uh, jump in because I also know that P for Placenta was also inspired mm-hmm. by um, a, a book, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, it was. So let me just do a little snippet, snippet of P for Placenta. P is for Placenta. <laughs> and then okay. uh, we'll speak to that a little bit. <laughs> Y'all got to really check out that song. That is so fun. <laughs> um, and uh, the book, again, is uh, Like a Mother. Mm-hmm. Yes, Like a Mother, A Feminist Journey Through the Science and Culture of Pregnancy by Angela Garbez. And um, 
I just highly recommend it to anyone who is thinking about becoming pregnant, is pregnant, or like years past pregnancy and childbirth because um, my good friend, Avery Hill, who is singing the backup vocals on Uh PS Placenta, she lent me this book about a year after I um, gave birth to my daughter and I've just learned so much about my body and the whole process that I didn't know while I was going through it. So there's a real gap in like knowledge and understanding about pregnancy and childbirth and um, even when you're in it. So this chapter about the placenta that Angela Garbez wrote was just like a page turner. It was riveting. Um, Yeah. We, yeah, we so often just like don't, you know, there's a whole history of this, like not studying women's health, you know, using men as like the, um, the you know, the Definitely. way mm-hmm. men show symptoms or, you know, it's mm-hmm. like that's just, yeah, across all genders. So, um, yeah, I just was so fascinated by her chapter. And in her chapter, she said something about how the scientists she was speaking to to learn about the placenta were like so enthusiastic about the placenta and what it had, what it has taught us and what it still has to teach us that she, Angela Garbez thought that maybe P the letter P should be for placenta instead of like puppies or please. Oh yeah. A for apple, P for placenta. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And when I read that, I was like, Oh, I have to write that. (laughs) And it took forever. I don't think I've done so much research on a song as I did on this one. But uh, Well, yeah. I'm kind of an anatomy and, and physiology nerd, and the more mm-hmm. I've picked up about the placenta, it's just mind-blowing. Yes. Uh, I, it's just, I, I just can't even. So, yeah, if I, I would encourage anyone, and I'm, I'm always kind of looking at that kind of stuff, so... Deb's, you know, blushing, and I'm like, yeah, let's, let's talk more about the placenta. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's... And what I love when what I learned is that the placenta belongs to the baby. It's not something that the mother's body grows. It grows. So when that permanent egg meat and that zygote is um, formed and the cell split, some of the cells become the placenta and some become mm-hmm. um, the fetus. And um, so we've all had a placenta, you know, and yeah. I just, I like their, uh, there have been some podcasts about the placenta too recently, like Radio Lab did one. Oh, everybody's got one, which is fascinating. Oh, um, so it's like it's like getting out there. Uh, That's the cool. Well, just, of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look at some yeah. of those podcasts. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that your daughter is six now. Yes. Um, is she helping to inspire songwriting? Oh, As absolutely. Six-year-old. yes she is um i think well she inspired the title track to this album so strong um i think i don't know i just i feel so grateful to be a parent like i was i held off for a while in my life because i wasn't sure i could be a musician and a parent um i don't know i just didn't see enough women out there doing that it felt like Mm -hmm. a choice between the two Mm -hmm. um and then a very wise woman at a music conference was like don't give up anything that's really important to you for music just don't you know like if you want to have a kid you should have a kid and um i think yeah just i mean i don't know what i would have done without my daughter during the pandemic like she kept us sane she kept us present and um like and yeah She's definitely inspiring, inspiring songs. And her favorite song 
are the ones that are about women's strength, which I love. Like her favorite song is Peace for Placenta. <laughs> it's crazy to hear kids singing that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, wow, we're getting up to the top of the hour. I want to, um, just a couple more questions uh, before we close out. And um, I had mentioned, yeah, I, I wanted to make sure I had that quote in there about we live at a time, it's important work. Caregiving is deeply undervalued. I did say that. So, um, but yeah, we're going to close out with So Strong. And we've kind of referenced that before. Uh, I want to ask one thing is what is next on your horizon? And then also after that, uh, how folks might follow you. I know, thank you for the Instagram tag, uh, you know, some of your socials, how people can stay in touch and stuff. Yeah. Oh, thanks for asking. So um, what's next for me is I'm going to take a little break for a few months and try to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Um, Making this album and getting it out into the world was felt so important and it was also really exhausting and I'm still an independent artist and I'm doing most, most everything on my own. Um, I do have a publicist I'm working with now who's been amazing at getting the music out there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out how to, um, prioritize new writing and sharing it without getting, swallowed by social media. Oh, that, that balance thing. <laughs> balance is so hard. And like, I, yeah, so I'm going to take a few months to just kind of address the chaos I left in my wake of trying to get this album out, you know, um, yeah. and figure out how to be more balanced and travel and perform, but in a way that's um, sustainable and doesn't wear me out. And trying to figure out too, like how to connect with people um, just sharing new music, maybe online through YouTube, posting mm-hmm. things more frequently so that if I'm not traveling, I can still feel like I'm sharing and connecting. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But my website is the best place to go to figure out what's going on. And that's just jasperleepack.com. And then I'm figuring out my relationship with social media right now, but I am, <laughs> <laughs> I think I still have to be on there but just not as frequently. And so, um, and I also have a newsletter that I send out, which is, and you can find up through that on my website. And that's probably the first place that I would suggest for being in the group. Yep. Mm -hmm. And what I appreciate too, uh, if I'm recalling the right website, um, that you have your, the lyrics printed. I love that when artists do that. Um, and because I am, you know, a reader as well. And, and uh, there's something about being able to look at the words when I'm hearing the, hearing them, you know, visually awesome. and audi- audibly. So thanks for putting that up there. Awesome. So I'll make sure you check out uh, jasperleepack.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Instagram. Yep. Instagram and Facebook. Those are the places. And then Bandcamp is a good spot too. Okay. For Very cool. Music, but- yeah. And uh, anything that you want to iterate again about So Strong or um, close out before we played So Strong? Um, yeah. So So Strong was um, inspired by this uh, idea that Angela Garbez talked about in her book, Like a Mother that we put all this pressure on women to return to their old shape once they have a baby. Mm. And when I read that, 
it was like, oh my gosh, this song is just been like waiting to be written. Like that helped. That was like the catalyst to get this, to get the language into music, I guess. Um, because when I went through um, labor and childbirth, I was just astonished by the strength that I had within me that I didn't know that I had. And in those first few weeks um, after giving birth, I was so proud of my body. I felt superhuman. And um, at the same time, I felt a little bit ashamed because I still looked pregnant. You know, there's all the weight that you gain in pregnancy. Sure. And um, Angela Garbez in her book talks about how once you have a have a baby and you become a mother, you can't go back to who you were. And that's okay. Like you don't have to be the person you used to be. You're something new. And to embrace that strength is so powerful. But what our society does is it like, it almost erases the knowledge of our strength by immediately putting that shame on us to be the size we were before, to be the person we were before, to have the time for things we had before. And I just want to speak back to that. Like, no, like that is a lie Mm -hmm. to diminish our strength. Um, And then I also, um, in the song, So Strong, I tried to describe in a poetic way what a contraction feels like because that was... um, when I was um, pregnant, I was a part of a, a group that met um, who, who were all having babies at the same time. And everyone wanted to know, what does it feel like? And the midwifery group we were a part of, they kept saying, you'll know when it happens, you'll know. And I was, none <laughs> of us found that satisfying. So I thought, you know, put that in the song. Put that in the song. Yeah. We're going to be listening for that. <laughs> okay. That's close enough, I think, for mo- for many of us. I, I hear it in a song. That's good. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I admire, I really admire all women who have given birth. It's just just amazing uh, that it, and it keeps on happening. Thank God. But yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again, uh, Jasper. I sure appreciate your time today. We are just thrilled beyond to have you with us and uh, be, stay in touch. And if you ever come through, you know, Minneapolis Lincoln isn't that far. Maybe we can hook you up with a performance of some kind and stay in touch, okay? I would love that. This was so lovely, Twyla. Thank you for having me on. Have a great Mm -hmm. afternoon. You too. Okay, y'all, this is So Strong by Jasper Lepak.